your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. To a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. This is going to be, I don't know if it will be true or not, but Trigoski, who's sitting in here with me, as he is on Always Start Friday, always, a lot of Fridays, I can't talk. Oh, that's not good if I can't talk on a talk uh, show. It's, it's Memorial Day weekend. It's News Dump Friday. News Dump if there Friday. there were ever a day for a news dump story. And there's a lot of news today. Cripes. I mean, if. The House of Representatives and the White House wanted to announce a deal on the debt ceiling. I would recommend doing it tonight. I mean, especially if there's some bad news buried in there. Could there be news? Because I heard that the House of Representatives is off for the weekend. Yeah, they were sent home, the House of Representatives. Wait, were they sent home? What does that mean? It means that the leaders of the House of Representatives, such as House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, said... We don't know if there's going to be a deal on the debt ceiling or not. You can go home to your districts to do the Memorial Day parade, to do your events in your district. Let us continue to negotiate. We'll let you know if you need to come back. They were given 24 hours notice. They said there would be 24 hours notice if they had to go back to the Capitol to take a vote on a potential debt ceiling deal. That's you to be lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Trigoski, hanging out with this hour. 608-785-7914. That's what we call kind of a Saturday Night Live type cold open. Yeah. Kind of. We started deep diving, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit. I just, I don't, well, I, okay, we'll just, we'll put that aside. I can't, can't do debt ceiling We'll have talk. to monitor for Friday news we dumps, though. We can't start the show with debt ceiling talk. Everybody's already tuned. I, what's going down at the lacrosse center? I text my friend who works there. Do we know? I just, I don't, I'm, I'm oblivious. I should probably know what's going on, but people are just coming in. Downtown's a madhouse right now, so. Yeah, I was cutting it a little close here with my drive in from on alaska i just started to think like okay if i gotta do the show i'm like chagasi put some notes in our in our doc here so he must be coming in (laughs) um i put a couple of notes in that i want to talk about but the most important things that we need to talk about today is how somebody can make 500 a 500 (laughs) dollar salad so think of going to one of the grocery stores the the make, make your own salad right you could do that quite a few places now make it $500. How do you get a salad to be $500? That's the question of the day. 608-785-7914. What would you put in the salad to make it worth $500? I mean, it, but yeah. Okay, so next thing. Um, Friday news dump. Always keep an eye. Everybody keep an eye on, on the news because we. this is because of the long weekend, like Dragoski said, this is going to be the day that just – and it's always it's, – it's always – Sometimes it's not like bad news. I'm like, why no. did you wait till Friday to dump this news? Like <laughs> the the Minnesota state legislature is, you know, they're off now. Governor Walls is signing bills, but it seems kind of news dumpy. Some of the bills he's signing and vetoing. Sure. Um, another very important story as we grip with inflation and and wages not increasing and corporation greed, corporate greed, corporate. What is it called? Corpflation? Flaycorption? Oh, greedflation. Greedflation, yeah. right. As we grip with that, a man in Illinois 
trying to make a flight. So he can't be all that hard up, right? Because he got a plane ticket because we can't fly right now. An Illinois man story. I mean, we know and love Florida man stories, but you got to love a good Illinois man story. Yeah, this is actually, now that you say that, this is disappointing that this did not come out of Florida. Right. But a Florida man story of this proportion. It's almost unbelievable that it wasn't a Florida man story. It wouldn't have been a tractor. It would have been like one of those like bog runners with the big fan yeah. on the back. Right. He's got to get it. so a guy in Illinois stole and what the story says is a backhoe, but it's it's a tractor with the back with a back one of those claw pack backhoes on the right. back excavating equipment. Yeah, it's got a it's got a front loader on it too, so it's just a cat tractor. Think of your and it's medium size, so it's not like a gigantic because there's video of this. We'll throw it on the website after the show in the in the show notes. But uh, Southern Illinois man's got a he's late for a flight and apparently what did his car break break down? I don't know. Rick. There's so many when these. Stories Stories happen, and they're great stories. They are, but we and, and we we want to dive into debt ceiling and what that will do to the nation, and what is the debt ceiling? Katie Porter, the U.S. House Rep out of uh, California, has a great like two minute video of what the debt ceiling is, and she just it, it, she links it to what you and I have as a credit card. And I'm like, oh, that's the debt ceiling. So we deep dive into all these things, and it's great. You can go read and listen, and you get all the details of, in the journalism and all of it. But then these stories, man steals backhoe to catch a flight, <laughs> to catch a flight in Illinois. So he's, he's late for a flight, and he's got to get it. Why? Why did you have to? Where were you? Why did you need a backhoe? He, he just, apparently, according to the Associated Press, he stole it off a job site and drove 10 miles to the airport. But why? But why? I understand but he needed why? to catch the flight. But where, from point A to point B... You, you knew you had to get there. What happened? Did you run out of money? You couldn't get an Uber or Lyft? I mean, yeah. it's going to be harder to do in Minnesota. I don't know about Illinois. Also, the Florida – no, it's not. I made her a Florida woman. <laughs> Where is the woman with the salad? Georgia. George, oh, so a, close. A close Florida. cousin of Florida. Florida. So Georgia woman, Florida man, is that what we're doing? Yep. She made this she, – she broke in apparently to make a salad or something. <laughs> yes. I, I read the story and now I completely – This is forgot. an unbelievable – this is from WSB News in Atlanta. A woman has been arrested after being accused of breaking into a restaurant over the weekend. According to a warrant obtained by Channel 2 Action News, on Saturday, Rome police officers responded to reports of a woman breaking into the Harvest Moon Cafe. They found 23-year-old Callie Thwaite – that she somehow got inside the restaurant after it had been closed. She opened the food coolers. She then made a salad. She touched several food items with her bare hands, rendering those ingredients no good. But here's the punchline. Police said the total value of the salad the weight made was $500. Not a punchline. That is the only detail that's, that's needed in the story. All the other details. Don't you think the person that wrote that story is like, I need more words here because it's one sentence. A woman broke into a restaurant and made a, what police said, $500 salad. But police did not specify what ingredients the weight put in the salad. That's what we all want to know. Call the police. Get them on the phone. <laughs> dispatch is always, you know what happens when you call dispatch? You want details on something? They send you to the, the squad leader of the day or what a captain or whoever is on, on duty at that time. And he tells you, sorry, we can't provide any other details to that. So you, then you have to wait for it to go to court. And you have to wait for the district attorney to re release the criminal complaint, which comes weeks later. Or you have to open records request this thing to get the details of what was in the salad. And open records request will come three to four weeks later. So we're never going to get to the bottom of this salad. We should stay on this every Friday until the end of time to figure out how you made a $500 salad.
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Multiple tabs open here, Chagoski. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski hanging out with me. Happy Friday, Rick. He's a big fan of the anti-Bud Light Link drinking Kid Rock. I love Kid Rock. <laughs> Kid Rock, who, uh, yeah, just a little, little out there lately. Uh, in terms of political, he's just. Been, I think we all get older, we get more political. Is that kind of how that works? Could be. That was. I was trying to. Th- I, I always have this conversation with, and you included. I, I, and being a political science professor, this would be a perfect example of where you're not doing your job. Not your fault, really, because it would take kids taking your classes. But when I went to college, no idea about politics except that there was a presidential election. Okay. And I, and then if I I voted, I think I I think I voted. I think I voted despite the girlfriend at the time because she voted for pro life candidate. And I went, well, that's stupid. That I'm just going to cancel your vote with my vote. That was uh, the really tall guy, the Mitt Romney looking guy. But uh, he's I, a girl name. Oh, John Kerry. John Kerry. Yeah. I, I knew a couple who disagreed politically, so they would simply not vote, order pizza, and argue during election night. And it doesn't work, right? No. College, the cancel vote doesn't work. Also, like, lived in Stevens Point, didn't didn't know there was a mayor. Yeah. Didn't think about it. Didn't, don't even really think about it. Didn't, don't think about city council or county board. Sure. School board, not thinking about any of that stuff. I can't even remember, like, what, what did I do when I had the presidential ballot that election? And looked at it because everything else would have been foreign to me except, you know, John Kerry, despite my girlfriend. And I don't have a phone at that point. It's like early to like the year 1999, 2000, whatever, whatever the election was that year. Don't have a phone because now when I get my ballot and I went, oh, crap, I didn't look. (laughs) And now I have to look up these school board members, you know, to see if they have anything online that I can read there, you know, where they stand on stuff. Because there's no R or D by some of those names. Uh-oh. Um, anyway, so I don't know why I went off on that tangent. Kind of forgot. Oh, Kid Rock's becoming Oh, yeah, Kid, yeah. Kid it's... Rock is getting older. so we kind of Somehow like... Kid Rock started this whole conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's blowing up Bud Lights, right? Because sure. Because Bud Lights are gay. Um, or transgender. 608-785-7914. Eric from Sparta. So we, we try. I have a really funny, if you look at the top of our notes, really funny, like, uh, just kind of like, hey, we could talk about this. But we try not to do this. <laughs> But Ron DeSantis declared in a weird, weird way that he's running for president. And I don't know. Eric wants to skip. I think Eric wants to skip the fact that Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis would be going against. It doesn't matter to Eric. But, Eric, what's your question for Chagoski? Mr. Chagoski, do you think uh, Joe Biden has a competency acumen to even do a press conference before the national news media without written notes for him and uh, somebody else subbing for him? And one more thing, Don. I think it's on June 6th. The Durham report's going to be on television in the House of Representatives. Do you think he's a liar? Tell me that. Tell me what you think about that stuff. All right. Um, so he's kind of skipped. I, when he told me on the phone, he goes, does Joe Biden have a chance to win the next election? That was his question on the when I call screened it. Uh, but now it's uh, question it's changed gone, a little bit. It's gone a little bit whack, wackadoo when it's, uh, oh, can Joe Biden even bike ride a bike oh wait okay um durham report go what do you think i, I don't 
Yeah, Rick. Look, John Durham, a special counsel, he found that the FBI should not have launched the investigation into connections between Donald Trump's campaign and Russia. That was back in the 2016 election. And Donald Trump is doing a bit of a victory lap after the Durham report saying this was vindication that his campaign should not have been investigated. And also it's been used to continue this broader narrative of distrust towards the FBI that we've really seen conservatives kind of run with in the Trump era and beyond. Conservatives have it perfect because they can defund the police when they want and not get any backlash. But when it's defund the police locally or something, then it's backlash. I think what the Durham report reflected is criticism towards the FBI. And, hey, if you had to do it over again, maybe you shouldn't have launched that investigation. In terms of how the FBI should act moving forward, we're a little unclear regarding the Durham report because there are no charges that he recommended. So coming out of the Durham report, there were questions about, yeah, would there be charges? Would people be convicted? Would they go to jail? None of that happened. Has there ever been a report and then it says, charge this person? Because we had the Mueller report, and it, it said all but charges person. And we were all like, oh, it's going to do it. But Mueller was a Republican. He's never going to – he never – nobody takes that leap. In the course of the Robert Mueller investigation, there were individuals charged with crimes, some of whom were – in Russia and obviously would not be in the United States to actually face those charges. Yeah, what the Mueller report did conclude rather convincingly was that Russia engaged in a rather comprehensive campaign to try to influence people in the context of the 2016 election, where it kind of fell apart or became this political football was in the collusion angle. You know, were there interactions between the Trump invest the Trump campaign and Russian nationals and figures within the Russian government? And that's where it became this political football. But if we just focus on the question, did Russia try to influence the 2016 election? Absolutely it did. And now we don't know if Americans were involved in that effort. And that's where the Again, the the Mueller report became this political football. But there were individuals charged with crimes as a result of the Mueller report. Okay, just not Donald Trump, which is just what not Donald Trump. Wants. Yeah, I mean, and that's the TV news, right? That's where the TV probably like tries to paint this narrative that this could happen. The biggest, like Donald Trump paints the narrative with the Durham report, right? He he said this is going to be the crime of the century. Yeah, right? did he not say something like that on Twitter? You know, Donald Trump is really good at taking these events. And having a bit of a victory lap, like with the CNN town hall, he's still taking victory laps. His campaign is still taking victory laps over his is, performance in the CNN town hall. And with the Durham report, taking, Donald Trump is he taking victory laps like he did in his limo around the a track at West Salem of the Lacrosse County Speedway? <laughs> I remember that. God. <laughs> I mean, what the, what a great thing! Like, right? Like, as a president, like, of course, take your limo and do a vic, do a lap around the stock car. Track. You know, whether you like Donald Trump or hate Donald Trump, you can't blame Donald Trump for wanting to do some laps in the limo. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the only thing that would have been better is, and for him, like, why not drive drive the limo, right? Like, oh, drive absolutely. Do, do, do crash it, just crash it in the wall. <laughs> like, why not? I mean, this, just do so, like do a burnout and have it crash into the wall. I'm sure that would have been wouldn't have been great, but it would have been funny. Um, yeah. So the and then the other thing, I guess you know, like, well, let's can we do? We'll do. We got a couple minutes. I, I don't want to do this all the time, but Ron DeSantis declared in sure. a weird way, right on Twitter, where he Elon Musk is talking, and then it goes dead air for two minutes, 
And then Elon Musk is doing his, you know, Elon Musk, not like the most narrative person. Like he's not like, and, and he's, he's talking and then it goes dead again for, I think three or four minutes. And then DeSantis comes on, it goes dead again for 10 minutes. And then finally DeSantis call, you know, gets on the Twitter, whatever it is, and, and declares his run for presidency. Not like the greatest way to start off a campaign, but very, seems like very Ron DeSantis-y. It is, Rick. Ron DeSantis is very comfortable within the conservative media ecosphere, and Twitter is is really becoming that. Twitter is now the home of Tucker Carlson, now that Tucker Carlson is no longer on Fox News. And we know that Elon Musk has become increasingly aligned with the conservative movement. So in many ways, it made sense for Ron DeSantis to start his campaign on Twitter, but it still was highly unconventional. There were no images, and there were technical problems that got in the way of the announcement. Now, ultimately, DeSantis did go on to Fox News that night. He made the rounds on conservative talk radio shows the next day, and so really in his comfort zone, I would say. And, Rick, it's going to be really interesting to watch Ron DeSantis try to roll out his campaign because he needs to start making some negative attacks against Donald Trump. Donald Trump is clearly the front runner in the race for the Republican presidential nomination, but Ron DeSantis still has a chance. It's going to take a sustained negative campaign trying to talk to Republican voters about why they should reject Donald Trump, but that is going to be an awkward argument for him to make. After all, Ron DeSantis in 2018, embraced the endorsement of Donald Trump, sought out the endorsement of Donald Trump, and frequently praised Donald Trump. So Ron DeSantis is going to have to explain why he now is running against someone who five years earlier he praised, and why many Republican voters who still like Donald Trump should give DeSantis a shot. I think he can do it, but it's certainly a tightrope to walk, and it's going to be a rather difficult strategy for him to pull off. We've seen him make some missteps as he has rolled out his presidential campaign. For example, Ron DeSantis went after the First Step Act. That was kind of a criminal justice reform law that Donald Trump signed in 2018. So DeSantis is going after Donald Trump for the First Step Act. Turns out Ron DeSantis voted for that law when it was up for consideration in the House of Representatives and DeSantis was a member of the House. So it's going to be tough for him to go after Donald Trump. I think he can do it, but it's a tightrope for sure. We make a fun of a lot of how old Donald Trump and Joe Biden are in their 80s, right? I think they're, are they both in their 80s now? Yeah. I think Joe Biden will be like, I don't know. We always do. Uh, the, Donald Trump, not quite in his 80s. Is but, he 79? But, or? Yeah, yeah. We always make fun of like how old they will be when they're done because I, uh, what is the, the senator in, in Iowa? He'll be like 96. Oh, Charles Grassley. Yeah, Chuck Grassley. Feinstein, Feinstein yep. right? Uh, but Grassley just got reelected and he'll be like 96 when he's done. But Ron DeSantis, just think about this as we talk about somebody who's going to run the country. Ron DeSantis is one year younger than, young, one year younger than me. No, one month younger than me. Yeah, I mean, and I he's, think. He's 44, baby. Look, I think there is the possibility of this huge contrast in age if DeSantis becomes the nominee because the number one concern that voters have about Biden is age. And like Eric from Sparta said, all of the related issues that might come along with age. Yeah, we age just a lot with when once someone gets 80. We didn't but why doesn't Donald Trump get the I mean, does he and I just don't it's just that he's not president right now. Are we ageisting Donald Trump at this point or is it just because he's better at 
like I I don't know is he better I don't even think he's better at speaking it's just that, that maybe his talking points are so generic or run down or repeated I mean you can go after the shower head and the toilet flow uh, so many times then that's pretty easy to do yeah, Donald Trump kind of has some old school pop culture references. Yeah, he, sometimes he talks about things from a previous era. I mean, Make America Great Again is all about returning to a previous era. So maybe that plays into sort of the traditional approach that Donald Trump takes in terms of wanting to return to that previous era. Uh, time in American life. I will say this, though, Rick, on the topic of Donald Trump and Joe Biden's age, Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina, has called for all politicians over 75 to take a mental competency test. That's also ageist. Like, why not everybody then? You know, like, is it really that hard to have Ron DeSantis take a competency test? You know, it's a good point, Rick. And the selection of age 75 as the threshold is also interesting because Donald Trump is 76. Okay, yeah, well, it pits him right in there. But I think if we're going to do it, then do it for everybody. It's not like somebody can, you know, and if we're going to do that, then we should have him do drug tests and this and that and everything else that comes with running for president. Make it a requirement to uh, unveil your taxes, you know, all that sure. stuff. So, all right, we'll be back. Your song <laughs> didn't exist. It doesn't, and neither did mine. I don't even know. How does the system not have Saturday in the park? I don't know who sings it. This is supposed to be summertime at DJ Jazzy <laughs> We're trying to do summer-themed music today. I mean, this is all right. It's pretty good, actually, yeah. <laughs> I just don't understand how summertime isn't, isn't a song. Anyway, well, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. All right, we started the show... Throwing up some very important questions, um, you know, aside from like, and I'll, I'll, I don't want to talk about this, but this is the funny, like, if we, if we ever ran out of things to talk about and we keep doing the, the Biden Trump DeSantis thing, it, it, it's a year away it, eventually it will be something to talk about, but I don't think it's worth talking about because is DeSantis going to beat Trump? Well, if Trump is indicted multiple times does that factor into is ron DeSantis only running because the possibility that donald trump gets indicted at this point in time a couple whatever however many years ago bernie sanders running for president was kind of a joke sure and the polling would have given bernie sanders at this point in time like one to zero percent chance of of winning and somehow that steamrolled into whatever you know so so talking about DeSantis right now seems with without the you know like it just it seems it doesn't seem and uh, Rick at this time in a campaign not too long ago Hillary Clinton was ahead of Barack Obama for the Democratic nomination yeah so I mean is it is there any world here where we 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 haven't seen the president of the United States yet uh, that I don't know that's really out of the blue but my funny yeah. question and we'll we're, we won't get to it today but is there we don't let's not talk about this upcoming presidency this election. What about 5 years from now? <laughs> Who is going to run 5 years from now because it will not be Joe Biden. No. And it probably won't be Donald Trump. <laughs> Whether he's just, you know, at that point if you're going to do the ageist thing, then he's old he's as old as Joe Biden is now 5 years from now. Or maybe he's behind bars. I don't know. Who cares? Um but like that was my like let's let's but but 
Just real, okay, it would be Ron DeSantis five years from now, right? We're you know, going to spend five seconds on this. Ron DeSantis probably yet? So I thought that he might stay out of this campaign and wait for the 2028 campaign. Yeah, he's 44 years old. Yeah, but he could still run in 2024, leave on good terms if he does not get the nomination, maybe have a graceful exit from the campaign, and then run again four years from and now. And then other side, Pete Buttigieg? You could say, be. You say Amy Klobuchar? Amy Klobuchar. Um, because we won't get these candidates to run against Joe Biden now. No, no, no. And that is despite the fact that a majority of Democrats are unenthusiastic about Joe Biden. It's quite a contrast where you look at the polling numbers indicating this complete lack of excitement for Joe Biden among Democratic voters. Okay, maybe there could be the possibility of someone running against him, but that just is not materializing. I mean, you're getting sort of these RFK Jr. types, Marianne Williamson types, people who are not serious contenders, but you're not getting that, you know, big name jumping into the race against Joe Biden. All right, we we put Joe, who was on hold. Yep, we put him to sleep. Oh, no, Joe, See, we wanted to happens. ask you about the $500 yeah, salad. what happens when we start talking about yeah, politics. Nah, we, need to keep yeah. it, we need to keep it light. But, the, but it is a potential Friday news dump. I don't know if you're refreshing the wire there, Chagoski. I'm monitoring for Friday news dumps. We have, we have a, some, some sports political news, and then we have this Glenn Groth, Grothman sound. Do you sure. want to do which one of those? Do you we could do? take sports first. All right, so there's two things in sports. One is the NFL draft is coming to Green Bay in 2025. Yes. And the, the thing that nobody talks about is, well, maybe not nobody, but like somebody dare say this who's originally from Appleton, which is, you know, the Packers are 9-0 and when I'm at Lambeau Field. I'll just say it. Um, <laughs> will the Packers have the number one pick when they host the NFL draft in 2025? Very real possibility with Jordan Love at the helm. That is definitely not the record that the Vikings have when I attend their game. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little jealous of you for that. Yeah. So, Rick. I, on, on a side note, when I've been to those games, three times Brett Favre has been booed off the field at <laughs> halftime. And 9-0, and baby. Brett Favre, that's Packer fans for you, man. They're just bandwagon. It's, and we're going to see the worst of it this year, I think, and maybe next year when they host the NFL draft. But but the, the NFL or the Packers, not not very rich. Uh, the weird ownership situation where they don't really own – nobody really owns the team kind of thing, or you get that piece of paper if you gave the Packers a bunch of money. Um, so they need – they need help. Hold yeah, yeah. Green Bay area legislator is looking at the possibility of getting $2 million in state money to help stage the 2025 NFL draft in Green Bay. Going to cost about $7.5 million in total. And it sounds like the Packers can raise about $5.5 million of that. So that's where that $2 million figure comes from. Let's just do that. Okay, there's, so there's that. The state, hey, state, can you pay Green Bay $2 million? The NFL draft's going to bring in $2 million to Green Bay, right? Like, they could they could ask to borrow that money, I think. Yeah, that's kind of the idea, it seems, that the $2 million would just come out of the surplus, would just come out of the general fund right. that the state government has. Okay. And, uh, and then tax revenue from the draft would replenish that $2 yeah, million. Yeah, if, if we had to pay it back. I mean, this is an investment. This is a grand investment because the NFL draft is, is everybody's going to go to that. Um, on the flip side, we still need to fund the Brewers, right? The Brewers Stadium, which is not owned by the Brewers. So this is the right. kind of the conundrum is Milwaukee owns the stadium. Maybe we should just sell the stadium to the Brewers. Like, hey, because it's, what was it, $290 million that the, 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 the figure that, I guess, Governor Evers came up with or the Brewers came up with. 
that they need to renovate the stadium that, that just came off the tax rolls. So we just stopped, as a, I think Milwaukee County just stopped paying extra taxes, sales tax, to pay for a stadium that's not very old. And now it needs the, uh, the amount of money it needs to renovate is the amount of money it costed it to begin with. The same amount of money that the Bucks Stadium, I believe, costed, or the Bucks Arena. Um, and, and so now, beyond that, because the, the governor and the state legislature with the $7 billion budget surplus has kind of put that to bed or off to the side. We don't want to talk about the Brewers because funding a billionaire's uh, place to play baseball isn't great politics, right? Like, even though this is probably the time we should talk about it way before an election, just get it out of the way quick. Um, but so nobody loves the idea of funding billionaires play places. Uh, but now the billionaires that run baseball are like mm, threatening, threatening <laughs> the very hometown brewers. Right? Yeah, that's right, Rick. So Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, visited Milwaukee as part of his tour around Major League Baseball cities. He didn't explicitly say that the brewers would leave Milwaukee if they failed to come up with $448 million of renovations to American Family Field. But let's just say Rob Manfred hinted around at the possibility that maybe Milwaukee could lose the Brewers. He pointed out how in Oakland there was a failure to renovate the Oakland Athletics ballpark, and now the Athletics are moving to Las Vegas. And Manfred just pointed that out saying, hey, look at this situation where the renovations to the ballpark didn't happen, and oh, now the team is moving somewhere else. Would hate to see that happen to Milwaukee. So it's just a very indirect way of saying, hey, Milwaukee's got to get its act together. Wisconsin has to come up with the money. And Rick, you mentioned the price tag. Yeah, we're looking at $448 million. Governor Evers had proposed $290 million towards that amount. That would come out of the state's $7 billion budget surplus. Robin Voss, the Assembly Speaker, the Republican, said that while there are tax benefits to having Milwaukee have a baseball team, there are tax benefits in terms of the sales tax and the income tax kind that it this, generates. Kind of this, a, a, it kind of has to do with millionaires playing baseball in your yeah. city because they're income taxed. But also, like, the restaurants and that around the stadium, there is, like, competing theories on to whether or not a baseball stadium actually helps the there tax are. base, you know. But it seems obvious that if there's a baseball game, my restaurant next to the stadium is going to be. There are some benefits in that sense. And also, I believe last year, there were $12 million of income taxes from the baseball players that went to the state of Wisconsin. Governor Evers said that keeping the Brewers in Milwaukee would bring in about $400 million in state tax revenue over the next 20 years. Robin Voss has agreed that there are those kinds of benefits, but he wants the city and the county to come up with some part of the funding now the city and county are saying absolutely not and so there is a bit of a political scramble right now to figure out okay where's the money going to come from how's this going to be funded it's a hefty price tag but it seems like there is an agreement to be had can't we just step up as a society as a as big government as the federal government and go hey you know what cities and counties and states no longer need to fund billionaires play but play things like we're done i mean you could get into manufacturing and corporations and whether or not foxconn can come here and get a bunch of tax breaks and quick trip right like we were in kimberly clark we were thinking about giving out and maybe we did give some tax breaks to all those places i think kimberly clark left though 
Um, but when it comes to play things like a baseball team and a billionaire owns this, hey, maybe the baseball team should make money on it. Like, you know, pull yourself by up by your bootstraps, make your money and pay for your own stadium. Like, is it that hard? It sounds if you're paying Aaron Rodgers $40 million a year, you probably should be able to pay for the, the house that he plays in. I don't know. And we went through this in Minnesota with the Twins. I was just going to bring this up. The, not the Twins, but the Vikings. With our Minnesota $17 billion budget surplus, we just pay, we're just we paying off that stadium yes. right now. About the same amount of money, I believe, to $297 million, um, which is going to kill the debt. So Minnesota is paying off its bills on a stadium that's owned by Ziggy Wolf, right? The, the, yep. Another guy that owns has a billion dollars, but we, you know, we have to pay for a stadium. I think if you ask most Minnesotans, they're happy with the target field that the Twins play in. They're happy with U.S. Bank Stadium that the Vikings play in. Also needs millions and millions of dollars of renovation, apparently. It does. And that thing isn't even, what, five years old? It does. There's been frustration with already having to make upgrades and renovations to U.S. Bank Stadium, not which is mention, a brand-new stadium. Not to mention all the birds that crash into it because it's made of a glass. It is. It is. Apparently, there was some kind of workaround there, but anyway, that became a whole nother deal with the people who are, you know, big bird advocates. Before, before we take a break, <laughs> and just in terms of Governor Evers jumping on this thing, this is how all this started. Governor Evers threw it out there kind of maybe on a yep. Friday. Refresh yep. your new, your water. <laughs> Uh, maybe on a Friday, that the Milwaukee Brewers can get $290 million to renovate their stadium. And then Republicans were in the legislature were mad. They weren't mad that Governor Evers would do such a thing. They were mad that Governor Evers beat them to the proposition. Governor Evers put out a budget in February, a state budget, a, a budget, uh, you know, whatever. The, sure. His, his, his proposal. His proposal. Yep. There it is. Um, Republicans don't do that. We don't even know. With the Repu- why, why don't Republicans put out a state budget? Well, it's coming into place piece by piece as the Joint Finance Committee, controlled with a 12 to 4 majority by Republican lawmakers, while they slowly take votes that builds their budget. Is it just harder because it's multiple people and it's what, 12 people in a legislature and they can't agree on a budget because Evers is... I don't know. It just seems like, hey, if this is the Democratic proposal, the Republicans at the same time should put out a proposal and we can compare the two and see who has a plan. Because to me, it's like Evers has got his bleep together and Republicans who run the legislature don't know what they're doing when they put out a PFAS plan. Hey, we're going to fund PFAS, the problem with Forever Chemicals. Here's $120 million, I think it was. Yep. But there was no plan to it. It just seems like they don't have a plan like, release your your proposal. Governor Evers keeps beating you to these things, and you want to be mad about them, but you could, re- you could release your budget proposal. Yeah, it comes out bit by bit as these joint finance committee hearings take place. And so the optics of the situation are completely different. Evers just plops down his entire budget proposal in February. It's as if Evers did this, studied for the final exam ahead of time and has, like, a a pretty good recognition of what's going to be on the test and Republicans are cramming. On the one hand, Evers is able to win some public relations points because he puts out his entire budget proposal in February and is able to kind of control the narrative surrounding the budget. Meanwhile, Republicans are able to control the process because they have a 12 to 4 majority on the budget making committee. And so they don't have to take any Democratic Party input. Of course, they also have to be aware that to get the budget into law, it has 
to be signed by a Democratic governor. So while Republicans want to have control over the process, they have to be aware of the end game where Governor Evers has a very powerful veto and he could very well use it to a great extent, depending on what happens in these budget making committee i just see if we're going to live in this world where because of gerrymandering the state legislature will always be controlled by republicans in wisconsin unless something changes there and the governor may or may not always be democratic but at some point we're just not going to have a budget it's just going to be millions of little things that happen and the legislature will sign them and the governor will either veto them or sign them and there won't be a budget because why? It, because we've already taken shared revenue out of the process. That's not a budget plan anymore. So then uh, just take everything out of your... If you don't want Evers to veto any stuff in your budget, use the veto pen and cross stuff off, then just do everything like that. It's going to come to that. You wait. It's it's probably like 10 years down the road. 10 years off. <laughs> I mean, and if Evers is still governor by then, uh, we're all, you know, like, we'll just do the ages thing again. We'll be back. Found it. <laughs> Perfect song for today. Plus the unofficial kickoff to summer. Why is it? Is it just Memorial, Memorial Day, Day weekend? weekend. That's Anthony Tregoski, UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor. I'm Rick Solom. Wrap it up here on a Friday of a long weekend. So we always got to watch for the Friday news dump. Anything? Did you? I, you're I, I'm not seeing anything, but this would be the day to do it. If you've got some bad news to release, release it right now. What's funny, too, is the Friday news dump sometimes comes too early where we can catch it. Because it'll come at, like, 4 o'clock. Or, <laughs> right. You know, and it's like, well, why don't you, if you're going to do that, then just do it at 6 or 7 when, you know, really it's a Friday. When really nobody's paying attention. Uh, because, you know, like, all these people are paying attention when Lacrosse Talk PM is on to make sure that we don't catch it. Yes. Before we go to air. Um, all right. So we, we haven't really gotten a great idea of what... We started the show talking about very two very important stories, that one in Illinois and one in Georgia. A woman in Georgia broke into a restaurant, and this is, this is, a, this is where you, it's not fake news, but the plague on journalism happens here. We don't get enough information. And maybe you want to get the story out there and you can deep dive into the rest, but we need the details, and we don't have enough details on why a woman broke into a restaurant and they made a $500 salad. <laughs> And was arrested for doing such. Maybe she was arrested for breaking in. But apparently she made a $500 salad. Yeah. Police gave no details to what was on the salad, how big the salad how was. How is that even possible? All we have is a mugshot, and the woman didn't have, like, salad dressing on her face. She so just has a little smirk on her face. She does look a little happy about, you know, maybe, she, you know, about getting, you know, sometimes those mugshots, you see them and you're like, why you are arrested for this and your mugshot looks like that? Like what? I mean, if I made a $500 salad, I'd be pretty pleased with myself. So we, I mean, we don't know. So what goes into a $500 salad? I would have to say it, it would have to be a seafood salad, right? It would have to be lobster. It, it almost would. It, it, like what? What other kind of con- not condiment, but what other kind of just dress dressing or or? I don't think there's any or, iceberg lettuce in that salad. I mean, could the salad could it could it not be a salad per se lettuce kind of salad? Could it be that oh. she stole a tub of the f- green fluff, the pistachio <laughs> fluff? This flush, the fluff, the stuff that we get. At, the Snickers at, salad. The Snickers salad. Because Snickers with, and green apple. With inflation, the fluff that you get at the grocery store or the Snickers salad, these like candy salads that we love, especially around Thanksgiving. Oh, Memorial Day picnic. Oh, my goodness. With inflation, these things, 
cost is gone through the roof. <laughs> I can't even bring you in a little sample of this stuff anymore because it's it's like 12 bucks a pound now. Maybe she just stole the whole tub because they come on them trays. At the grocery store, right? They come on them trays. Yeah. Maybe she just had a whole tray of the Snicker salad, and that would be $500, no problem. Oh, now you've got me fantasizing about having a whole tray of the Snickers salad. All right, we got to get out of here. We're going to head to uh, one of the grocery stores, see how much this stuff costs, stock up for Memorial Day weekend. Have a yeah. great, Have a great long weekend, everybody.